0: what's up you guys we're so happy you're here to listen to us today this is leah and Brittany. you know the vibes this is a mindful podcast we got a little bit of humor and gossip thrown in here and we are so excited for you to listen to this episode today
1: so you
2: said you visited here how did you like it it was cool i went to a a denver broncos game i stayed right across the street
1: Oh, yeah. And
2: I found it so weird that y'all had an amusement park in the middle of the city.
1: <laughs> right? Isn't it so bizarre? It's like Six Flags is yeah. technically in Atlanta, but it's out yeah. of Atlanta. <laughs> exactly. I haven't been to it yet, but this summer. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, been where? To Elitch Gardens, the amusement park in Denver. Oh.
2: I guess dead center in the city. Like, mm-hmm. never seen that.
1: That's so sick. I didn't know there was one of those there. Yeah. All
0: right, you guys. Today, we have a very good friend of mine. We have Laquan James on with us today. He does go by Quan, so you're going to hear us shortening that name from him a little bit. Quan lives here in Atlanta. He lives near me. He also has a husky puppy who is only a week older than Luca, so we've gotten to share some fun puppy stories with that. But we wanted to have Quan on today because he has a really interesting story. Quan is a bit of a badass. He did all kinds of sports growing up, football being the main sport. Football and wrestling, right, quan Were your main sports?
2: Uh, football, wrestling, baseball, and soccer. Mm-hmm.
0: So everything. <laughs> Played football in college, went out for the NFL combine. We're going to let you talk about that a little bit because I think that is really interesting. All while in med school, he is now currently a practicing nurse practitioner what's really, really cool about what Kwan does, and we're going to get into it, but he does the medical and the cosmetic side of being a nurse practitioner, which I think is so interesting because he gets to see all sides of the benefits of being a nurse and getting to help people in different ways. He also had COVID last year, survived that. We're going to talk about all of the amazing things that kwan does and has been through and has gone through and he's going to teach us some things are you ready i'm ready (laughs) okay kwan so i know you grew up here in the south yeah you grew up in south carolina right
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i grew up in a very small town you could blink and you were in another city (laughs) <laughs> it was very small everybody knew each other it's like one of those cities where everybody thinks they're cousins because you know we're all right that we see <laughs> yeah
0: but
2: yeah and then i came here uh, right after college mm-hmm. okay
0: where did you go to school and where did you play because you played football in college
2: i went to university of south carolina for the first year then i transferred okay. after that to a division two school called newberry college Cause unfortunately, you know, when I was in division one, they want you to be a athlete student and not a student athlete. So, you know, and that Mm. time I was very mature. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the NFL, but I know that I want to be in healthcare. So I transferred to a small school where I could still, you know, pursue my dream of uh, playing college football and then also getting my degree in nursing and biology. So I got to do to kill two birds with one stone.
0: That's really wild. As a young adult, teenager essentially, you were able to decide to take a step back from being at a a really great, huge school for football because they didn't want you to take your academics as as serious as you knew you needed to.
2: Yeah, so I just made that decision.
0: Yeah. Were you at South Carolina on a scholarship or were you a walk-on?
2: I was on a scholarship. It was only partial though.
0: Okay. And then
2: when I went to Newberry College, that was a full, mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Hell yeah. So was South Carolina pissed when you wanted to leave? Or like you didn't care because you knew that your academics was more important?
2: I didn't care because I knew like, I mean, I, I grew up in a very small town where not many people, hardly anyone has made it out to become something better than where we're from. So, you know, I'm the only person where I'm from to has going to college, and definitely the only person that has gotten a master's degree. So, you know, that was always wow. my motivation is, yeah, football is great. I love it. But I want to set myself up for success after football. And that's what a lot of my teammates didn't really see. Like, you know, they were just football head, headstrong. I mean, I was great at football. I was team captain, All-American, all that. But I knew there was something more for me to do besides that.
0: That is so wild. You, that is so wild just because most people's dream would be to get to play football, D1 football. And they're not, an 18, 19 year old, 20 year old is not looking past that. They're looking at all of the perks and the benefits of getting to play D1 football in the South.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, it was great to play football. But at the same time, even though I played football, I didn't get to really enjoy the whole, oh, he's a college football player because you know, on our away trips, I have a book in my hand because I have a test when I get back in nursing or biology or a physics test. So I'm studying for that on our way to our away game. So I didn't really get to experience the college life like everybody else, but I'm glad I still got to play.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you, so you transfer to a D2 school, which it's just a slightly smaller school, still get to play football, but you get to focus more on mm-hmm. your academics a little bit more Then you get your master's degree, but then you did still ultimately go out for the NFL,
2: correct? I did. Yep. And that's what originally brought me to Atlanta is I came here to train with a high profile trainer that, you know, had a really good reputation for getting guys ready for the combine. So I came and did that. And I then I took my nursing boards while I was training and I was working in the ER and training for the NFL. So it was literally two a days and it was the craziest thing I've ever done. But I was just driven. That's how I've (laughs) always been driven. I would work a 12 hour shift, go to sleep, wake up and then I'd work out and then I work out later that evening because, you know, I've just had that burning desire to be great.
0: That is insane. Now, I know what happened, but can we tell the listeners what happened with the NFL Combine? Because it sounds – I know a little bit more about football than I think the average person does, but it's – regardless of how many people can go to the NFL Combine, it is still a very big deal to actually get to go out and try Mm -hmm. to be a part of the National Football League, right? So what was that like? What happened?
2: I mean, like you have a whole bunch of guys just – you know, trying to achieve a dream that they've always wanted to do, and so you're competing against people from all over the United States that's had that has that one common goal, and you know, you already know going in that one percent of all these guys, you know, get an opportunity to to play. But well, all you can do is control what you can control. um I did well at my combine. I actually ran a pretty fast time for someone my size. Um, I was pretty strong, I did well there, but this abroad jump wasn't that good. But I mean, as far as pound for pound and what I was able to do, it was pretty good. And at the time, the Falcons, the Vikings, and the Bucks were interested as like, you know, like a type of free agent type thing, but then it didn't pan out. And then from there, I was gonna try to go into the Canadian League, and then once I saw The pay, I was like, no, I make more than that as a nurse. It's no. not worth a brain injury. <laughs> I was like, yeah. unless, I make it, unless I make it hundreds of thousands, no, sir. I, I'll take my chances being a nurse.
0: <laughs> Amen. Right? Wait, so, so what position did you play?
2: I played center in college. Okay. And then when I was going out for the NFL, I actually, funny story, I actually went in as a center and they were like, oh, I'm not tall enough. So after I didn't make the combine that year, I continued to train the second year. And that's what actually started my weight loss transformation. I went from being 315, 320 as a center to about 255, 260 as a fullback. And that whole entire year, I learned how to catch, run routes. I mean, do everything that a, a fullback slash running back does. And I did great. I went from um, running about a five two when I was 315 to running a 468 when i was 260 Ooh. and there was like this big story on me that all oh, this guy made this huge transformation to try to get to the league and all this other stuff so i mean it was cool like the pro- and that's what that's actually cool. started my yeah that's what actually started my addiction to the gym because i saw what my body looked like after losing all that weight yeah. cuz i've always been heavy
0: totally so for people yeah. to also to get a grasp on those times for a forty yard dash, you said a five two and four six. Were your numbers?
2: Four six, yeah, four six. Okay, you're running forty yards
0: in four point six seconds. Is the t- yeah. uh, these are the numbers that we're talking about? And so yeah. and Quan, you're like six, two? Six, one, six, two?
2: six foot, about six foot.
0: We're gonna give you yeah. that extra inch. We're gonna <laughs> say you're six yeah. one. Quan on, six one. <laughs> Um so I'm for reference and i'm a I'm a pretty above average athlete. I'm five six about one forty and I can run about a four seven forty without training so for Quan who's six one about two fifty five to run a four point six second 40 yard dash i think i need people to understand that that is fucking flying for a big ass dude that is really yeah. fast mm-hmm. right and especially after you had gone through an entire transformation in a year all while working in the er as a nurse to shave almost a full second off of your 40 yard dash while also losing close to, what like 75 ish pounds is insane yep. and they didn't want you
2: yeah, and now is that, and I, I wish I played <laughs> now. I wish I played now because now the shorter guys get so much love now than when I played. Yeah, and and it's, uh, yeah when you were going right out,
0: they wanted yeah, totally when you went out for the yeah. NFLs, when they were wanting these like big behemoth of dudes,
2: exactly. but they weren't.
0: The thing with you know the thing with sports is like. The bigger you are, the stronger you are, but the less agile and quick you are. So then if you Mm -hmm. lose the weight, you can get faster, but you can lose strength. So it's like this weird fucked up game, especially in football, especially if you're going to do if you're going to do full and running back because it's two different spots, but they use the same guys. You have to be able to do two different positions and it's wild. It is so hard, but I still think Mm -hmm. that like that is so amazing to even be able to have that experience and go out for the NFL. I actually only know one other person who has ever done an NFL combine. And I grew up here in the South. So that's why I think that's so cool. I don't think there's many people that know personally someone who's gone out for the NFL.
2: That's true. A lot of people don't know that about me.
0: Right? I think it's it's one of the coolest parts, especially because you were working the whole time.
2: Yep, and if you don't believe it, you can go on my Instagram because it is there for you to time it yourself.
0: <laughs> Plug it, Kwan. Let them know we've got video evidence.
2: Dang right, that's awesome. I love
0: that. I do have a question. This is a this is a little bit of a personal question, so take your time answering mm-hmm. it, Kwan. When you order pizza, do you like thick or thin crust?
2: Thick all the way.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Britney, yeah. too. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah.
0: Brittany too. Funny, I'm, a th- I'm actually thin crust.
2: After okay. every football game, I got a thick crust pizza from Little Caesars. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. Love <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> did you get a $5 hot and ready or did you get a custom pizza?
2: Oh, no. Custom rate. No. They knew okay. who I was. I wanted one after every home game. Yep. <laughs>
0: I love it. That's amazing. So, okay. So you're working in the ER, you mm-hmm. football dreams are now over, but you've still obviously trained like an athlete. Now, is that when you got into bodybuilding?
2: So the funny story about me getting into bodybuilding was like, I kept working out. And then, you know, when, when I've been used to being big my whole life, so I never knew that I had what I have now under underneath, you know? So I got asked yeah. a, a, on a many occasion, "Hey, do you do bodybuilding? Do you?" And I was like, "I don't even know what that is." I was like, "I do. I just work out." And then what they I saw, I was like, oh, "Okay," and it was "Oh, you should do it. You should do it." So then I had the bright idea, and this is while I was in nurse practitioner school at the time, to try to train for a uh, a bodybuilding competition. I was like, "Well, I've been at one extreme, which is you know." many consider overweight or fat. And I want to see if I have the mental capacity to get as lean as I can and, you know, try to do a competition. And I just set that goal while in nurse practitioner school and working in the ER and I did it and won it and everything.
0: You won. You won your show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. So how much more? Cause I actually don't know this part, Kwan, how many other times have you competed or is that the only time you've actually stepped on stage with bodybuilding?
2: I've stepped on stage twice and that was twice in the same year. But I tell you, like I thought training for the NFL was hard. Bodybuilding is a whole different beast because you're expected no. to train your behind off. They don't. I don't care what you do for work, what you got to do for life. You're in the gym in the morning and at night. Your diet is on point. You know, you got the holidays with your family, and you're over there eating a salad while they're over there enjoying all the goods. Like oh, yeah. that was the hardest mental part was, man, I want a I'm piece sure. of cake. Man, I want a piece of that. <laughs> you know, you can't and you have to cut all of that off. Like that was the hardest thing. And learning that type of self control was <laughs> whoa.
0: <laughs> I'm yeah. sure. So my dad, Quan, you know, my dad was, he he was a competitive bodybuilder and Mm -hmm. he's told me that when training for a show, that the way that they did it was they did four days on one day off. Mm -hmm. But those four days, my dad's training partner and coach used to tell him, I don't give a fuck what is going on in your life. You get to the gym. The day my dad's mother died, he went to the gym. Mm -hmm. holidays, anniversaries, birthday parties, funerals. It doesn't matter. If it falls on one of those four days, you go to the gym. Mm -hmm. That is wild. Me, I'm like, it's sunny out today. (laughs) I'm staying home.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, It's a literal job. And that's why even if I wouldn't have won my competition, I still would have been happy because All the guys that I I competed against, all of them were trainers or they didn't have high profile jobs like me. Nothing against anyone with their career choice, but it was a lot harder for me because I'm working 10, 12 hour shifts, seeing patients on call, and then I'm still expected to be to the gym in the morning and in the afternoon, whereas they (laughs) work at the gym, which makes it a lot easier. So even if I wouldn't have one, I was still happy with what I did.
0: Absolutely. That's incredible. That is so crazy. I can't imagine. And now, okay, so now I know that you don't still work in the emergency room. How long did you do that for before you made the switch to more what you do now? Because, you know, now I know you work with substance abuse. You work in a treatment center for that. I know Mm -hmm. you do the medical side of like PRP and HRT. And I'm going to let you explain that because... You know, Mark and I have done that with you before, but then you also work in aesthetics doing like Botox and filler and injection. So you do all all of the things that nurse practitioners can do. So when is it that you decided that you did, (laughs) when did you decide that you didn't want to do hospital work anymore and you wanted to do more Mm -hmm. concentrated specialties?
2: Well, at first my complete motivation was to, you know, when you work in the ER, like, yeah, you are very autonomous. You get to pretty much kind of be the doctor. A patient comes in with whatever they got going on and you get to act on your own. OK, this patient is septic. I'm going to get them some fluids, give them, start them antibiotics, draw blood, do blood culture, send them for a chest X-ray. You get to do all that. But there were times when I worked in the ER where I didn't agree with a doctor. And you're supposed to still carry out that order, you know? And that's why I wanted to um, become a nurse practitioner because I get to tell them no, and there's nothing they can do or and I won't lose my job. So that was one of the main reasons why I went back to school because I wanted to be able to have more say in things because there were a few instances where I saw that, you know, we all know that race is an issue still in this country, but there were times where, They treated the Caucasian-American better than the African-American when it came to um, treatment for pain and other things. So when I saw things like that, it really made me mad. And I just wanted to go back to school because I'm like, no, this is not fair. And now that I'm going back to school, you can't tell me how to do my job. I can tell you no and keep it moving. Or, you know, I can politely tear your ass off and keep it moving and not have to worry about, you know, because but that's why I went back. But my original plan was to actually get my MP and work in the ER. But then I decided to go into mental health because I was always good at that. I don't know why, but ever since I was Mm -hmm. a kid, it was like I have psychiatrists written on my forehead because everybody (laughs) would tell me, everybody would tell me their problems like crazy. Yeah. So I went to mental health and then of course, with mental health, you know, the substance abuse realm came as well. But I've, I've always worked. Um, I kept a foot in what I like to do as far as skills, which was orthopedics. I didn't want to lose my skills that I've learned, you know, acquired over so many years in the ER. So I worked part time in the mental health and then also part time in orthopedics and regenerative medicine. And then I decided, man, I really want to do aesthetics like I really want to be. The one-stop shop type practitioner for my patients. Like, I want to be able to talk them through their mental health, get them looking good, mm-hmm. like, get them looking good inside as well as out, and give them a clear mind. And that's why I work so hard to learn so many different things because I want I want my patients to be able to get everything they need from me, and you know, just develop a relationship. Because if they if you have a relationship with a patient and you get to do so many things, you pretty much got that patient for life, you know. Yeah. And totally. through medicine and what I'm able to do, you're able to show them a lot of things that they didn't even believe that they could accomplish or the way they could look. And, you know, I've helped a lot of women and men, you know, feel better. Mental health is better. They look great. You know, they don't even look their ages. So that was something that I really wanted to learn how to do. And I pretty much taught myself how to do it.
0: <laughs> I know, it is amazing. So let's talk a little bit about because I love that I love everything that you said. You like to help them from the, help people from the inside, and then you help them on the outside. And mm-hmm. a lot of that I know. A lot of the crazy shit you do is with the hormone replacement therapies and the the uh pla- What's the PRP? What does that stand pellets. for?
2: The PRP pellets.
0: Yeah, what does that stand for?
2: Uh-huh. Platelet Placid- rich plasma. plasma.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So, so Quan, he, he, the hormone replacement therapy is really wild because he can help with all kinds of like injuries, hormone imbalances. Like he can draw your labs and, you know, see if there's any hormones or deficiencies that you have and then he can help you get back on track with those. But the PRP is what's really freaking cool too. And Quan, I want to let you talk about it a little because he did he did a PRP facial on me last summer, which is what some people know is like a vampire facial where he did micro needling and then put my own plasma back in my face. And that is so wild because it seems like it should be really crazy. But from the outside, it actually was like a very simple process. I I, I didn't hurt. I didn't actually bleed as much as, like, you think that you would with the name of what it is. Um, but it's really cool because it's cosmetic, but it's it's 100% medical as well. Like, not anyone can just do these procedures. Like, Quan has to mm-hmm. have, like, certain licenses to do it so who all so i want you to i actually want you to talk about the prp first because that is i love the fact that it was a woman who discovered she could put it on faces but what are all the things that you can do with prp um because it's just your plasma right like everyone knows plasma's in your blood and that's the healing agent in your blood
2: Uh correct so uh correct so with the plasma it has different you know cytokines growth factor mesenchymal stem cells in them, which would help say I'm doing a vampire facial on a patient. So what you're doing with that micro needle is you're creating trauma to the face. So the PRP is like, oh, my God, oh, my God, there's trauma over the face. We got to go and save it and make it look better. So the PRP actually goes and regenerates new collagen on that face. Hence, you know, curing acne, helping people with, um all types of skin conditions and wrinkles and anti-aging um but also what i do with it as well is i take the prp and also you know exosomes and things like that to regrow hair on patients that you know have alopecia or just you know just losing hair period
1: just all you can Mm
2: -hmm. yeah um you can use it for different types of joint injections it can heal, you know, meniscal uh, tears, ligament tears, muscle tears, joint injections. I've done all that. Um, You can also use it for erectile dysfunction and also what's called the P shot in women for women who don't really have an orgasm or women who um, have urinary incontinence. You can do that. Use PRP for that as well. You can even use PRP and stem cell for someone who has uh, neuropathy in their feet as well. So you can do so much about it in the, you know, they don't talk about it as much because it's not covered by insurance. But what this is just what I yeah. always tell people, you gotta invest in yourself. You don't want all of these chemicals, all of these medications, the treat for pain that you d- end up becoming an addict. And then I get to treat you at my substance abuse clinic. So I love what I do because it gives an alternative.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. I want you to go go back a little bit.
2: <laughs> Tell
0: me how PRP – I would like to know the process. I think by Brittany's face, she does as well. What uh-huh. do you do and how does PRP help with – the sexual aspect. You mentioned erectile dysfunction, but then you also can do it with women. So where is it that you're putting the PRP? How is it working? And if the plasma is already in your body, why is it that if you can take it, like pull it out of your blood and then put it directly somewhere, why is it that it works better that way if it's already in your blood?
2: Because it's it's saturated. With the PRP, you have to draw it, draw the blood of a patient. Then you spin it at very, very high frequencies. And that's, what's going to actually separate the PRP from the blood because in just regular blood, it's just blood. So you have to spin it at very high speeds in order to separate that PRP. And then that PRP is concentrated and then you would inject that into the patient. And then what PRP does is it has um, signals in it to, in the body that chagging okay, where's the inflammation? We're going to go here. We're going to go there. We're going to go here. And that's when you have the healing process that takes underway. And because PRP can heal inflammation, there goes the saying, it gets worse before it gets better. You may have a little bit of discomfort Mm -hmm. the first day, but then it gets better the very next day. Just like when you see the vampire facial and all that. And with your question about uh, the injection For women and men, for men, you're going to inject in the shaft because what the PRP is going to do is it's going to increase it's going to increase the blood flow in that area. And that's what's going to help the guy to wake up those bad boys so he can, you know, have his erection like he needs to. Yeah. (laughs) Some programs. Do the injection, and then they also do what's called shockwave therapy on the penis, which delivers frequencies of electric electricity to that area to also increase the blood flow in the area. And you do the same thing for the women as well. It's crazy. Where wild. you have to like- inject
1: the woman? <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious about the woman injection.
2: <laughs> I believe. Where it's do you the put it? for the women? Oh, I oh, the no. Bitters. Yes. No. Yeah. I- yeah. Uh-huh. Okay.
0: How long does it last? Like for both men and women? Like how long does it does it forever for, help that issue? Is it temporary?
2: For some they may more? need it like every for some they might need it every like four to six months. But and also too, the crazy thing about PRP, the healthier you are, the better and more potent the your PRP is gonna be. So if you have diabetes, will be hybrids, yeah. If you have diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, then your PRP is going to be cloudy and it's not going to be as effective. But if you're someone like you, Leah or Brittany, your PRP is going to work great on you and you're going to have longer results than someone else who, you know, isn't healthy. So that's why you always have to give patient that, that expectation that, look, you have a year's history of smoking and all these chronic diseases. You cannot compare your vampire facial or joint injection results to Leah over here, who's 100% more healthier than you. So you have to give patients that realistic expectation.
0: Wow, that is wild. You can do everything with PRP, I feel like.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. everything.
0: I love it. That is that is so sick. So, One stop um, shop. I, I know, for real. Um, <laughs> I have another personal question, though, Quan. We're going to break it okay. up again, give you another personal question. When you're okay. putting on your shoes... Do you do sock, sock, shoe, shoe, or do you fully dress one foot first and do sock, shoe, sock, shoe?
2: Sock, sock, shoe, shoe.
0: Okay, good. We just wanted to make sure you weren't a psychopath. <laughs> um. <laughs> Because I feel like no, if you have one shoe that. or one, like, right? Like one foot fully dressed and then one foot barefoot is so weird. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm trying to <laughs> bend down one time to get my shoes, and that's one time.
0: <laughs>
1: that's it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's awesome. I kind of want to hijack um, the conversation. So do it, I, do it. I also grew up in a small town where everybody knows everybody. Everybody is in everybody's business. I kind of want to hear your experience as a black man in the United States, it, living in the South, growing up in the South. I kind of just want to mm-hmm. talk about your experience because it's so important to start realizing that other people have different experiences than everybody else. So take it away.
2: I can tell you many instances, actually. When I was in college, um, me and my brother and a few friends were walking back to my apartment from a bar where all the college kids go. We were just walking by and all of a sudden this police cop comes out of nowhere, just like swung his car in front of us. And he was like, did you guys start that fight down there? And we're like, what are you talking about? Like, we have collar shirts on. Tucked in our pants, because that's how we have to dress in order to get into the clubs here. And we have no wrinkles <laughs> on our shirts. What are you talking about? So that was an instance that happened. One instance happened when I was, you know, leaving the grocery store and going to my car. You know, I was trying to help this little old lady because she has was struggling. And, you know, she just kind of rolled her window up on me like I was going to, you know, break her window and steal her purse. <laughs> mm. Another instance happened when, um, I was at a beta club convention. This is a convention for people with 3.6s and higher. Okay. Doing nerdy ah, stuff. Yeah. Okay. So we were, me and my friend, who's also African American, we were walking back to our hotel because we had the bus that couldn't go under the, um, under the McDonald's, uh, drive through. So we walked there from mm-hmm. our, our, uh, hotel. So we're walking back and then all of a sudden this cop comes out of nowhere and pretty much grabs me. I had an orange shirt. That was the indicator, an orange shirt. He grabbed me, threw me to the ground. I had my glasses on at the time I was bifocals and everything. Those broke. He slammed me on the ground, put the handcuffs on me, tight as crap. I was like, uh, we were like, sir, what, what, what do we do? What do we do? We just went and got McDonald's. He was like, you, you stole something from this bar. I'm like, sir, we're here for a beta club convention. I don't know what you're talking about. And the description was a guy that had on an orange shirt. So oh my it was a whole, I told, I told my friend, run and go get our teacher. She was white. And she, she could tell you this because she remembers this freaking 15 years ago. She does not forget totally. it. And uh, he put me in a car, slammed me against the door, all kinds of stuff for no reason, no reason at all. And so finally my teacher came and this black cop came and they told me this cop had a problem with being racist and they said uh, he had an argument with his girlfriend prior to his shift and he took his anger out on me and that guy Ah. ended up being uh, fired or whatever. And another one happened while being, yeah, another one happened while being a nurse practitioner. And now from now on, I have my badge and my stethoscope and my white coat in my car to let them know that I am somebody and I feel like I have to do that. It's it's sad, but I I do. Mm-hmm. And this guy, you know-
0: To protect you.
2: Yeah. First of all, he tried to pull me over in the dark. I was like, uh, no, I'm going to keep driving until I get in the light. And yes. I had my phone on. I called my mom and said, hey, just listen, because, you know, this cop just pulled me over for no reason. And he actually, you know, tried to, you know, blame you for something. I was like, dude, I wasn't speeding. So can I help you? And then finally- um, once I gave him my, my information, and he walked back up the second time, he saw my badge and everything. He's like, "Oh, what do you do?" And I was like, uh, "I'm a, a nurse practitioner working in the ER. I save lives." And he pretty much let me off. But I guarantee you, if I didn't have that, he would have tried to try to get me for something. And and th- and unfortunately, that's how it is. Like I used to have dreads. For one, I have a lot of strikes against me. I'm a big African American. So I had dreads. And, you know, people are intimidated. So that's why I wear my glasses. I smile as much as possible. And when I became a nurse practitioner, I went ahead and cut my dress off because I felt like that might have, you know, hurt me of, of getting the type of patients that I wanted to get as far as taking care of people, because they'll judge you before they even hear your voice or let you, you know, prove what you can do. So that's why I cut my hair off. You know, I wear my glasses as small as much as possible. I keep my beard nice and trim and everything because you're often mistaken for a criminal when you're not doing anything wrong.
1: Yeah. Just because of how you look.
2: Yes. And yes.
1: And it's sad you said, I have to prove that I'm somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's it's so unfortunate that you even have to do that or you have to feel Mm -hmm. that you have to do that. So we are about, uh, what, two months out from when George Floyd died and today started the trial for his murderer. I think that you're in Atlanta. The Black Lives Matter movement was huge, especially in Atlanta. Both of you can attest to that. What do you feel is like the best thing that has come from the Black Lives Matter
2: movement? You see more people supporting Black owned businesses more now than ever. And this that's one of the reasons why it gave me actually gave me confidence and belief in myself that Juan, you do all of this work for a doctor Mm -hmm. who doesn't even know how to do any of this, and he's get he's taking a lot of your money. And I was just like in a time where, you know. Black people are on the rise as far as having Black-owned businesses, I was like, I felt like now was the right time to do it. And I got people, you know, like Leah, who every every time I get a chance to do something new, I'm like, hey, you going to be my guinea pig? You know, because she supports me. And, and it's nice to have a friend like that. Like, I'm so thankful for her. She has no idea. Like, that is my darn buddy right there. <laughs> That's my friend. Yeah. That, you do awesome things. And that's all I want to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it fucking sucks. And everyone can agree. It fucking sucks that you have to have credentials on you so that if you get pulled over, you can prove that you're not just a black man. You're a black man that also saves lives as if that makes a difference on the value of your life. I think that's really ridiculous. I think it's Also, equally as amazing that, like you said, because of everything that happened last summer, because people are finally, at least our generation, are finally like, no, you know what, we've had a fuck enough. And we are all making a conscious effort to support black-owned businesses because statistically they do not have as high of success rates as white-owned businesses. Mm-hmm. And that's ridiculous because like you said, you work beneath doctors that don't even know how to do what you do. They just put their signature on the piece of paper that allows you to go actually do the work. It's kind of mm-hmm. similar in a different way to what you do, Brittany, with yeah. being a paralegal where paralegals do everything that lawyers do except have the fucking signature
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and you don't go to court. I know that. But like paperwork wise, like you're doing what people think the lawyer is doing, but it's really you doing it yeah. and then they stamp it.
1: Mhm.
0: So, but I say that because I know, and you didn't quite say it, so I'm going to say it for you, Quan, is that you did officially launch your own business where you can do all of these things that you just spoke about, the medical, the aesthetic, the cosmetic, the mental health side of all of what you do, and you've started your own business.
2: Yeah.
0: Right? And you have your own office, but you can also do virtual things. Like with your HRT, I know you can do virtually in the way that you can mail, like you can ship products to people if they need it. And I think that is so great. And I think that we do need more black people in that industry. Because like you said, at the very beginning of this conversation, you noticed how black people get lesser treatment. So I mm-hmm. think that people can feel safe and comfortable coming to you because you are a gentle giant, <laughs> which is the name the name of his company.
2: Yes, ma'am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I think that's awesome. I think that was a really good question, Brittany. I wanted I to ask that. you,
1: do you know your Enneagram? Say so what? Have you ever done your Enneagram, figured out your Enneagram personality type?
2: As in, like, well, I know my love no. language.
1: <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> What's your love language? Yeah.
2: I'm a person uh, with, like, quality time, for sure. I'm one of those people who the simple things in life, I just, like, you know, hanging out, watching TV, going to dinner, and then, you know communicating of course which a lot of people don't do these days but that's my main thing you know <laughs> that's my main thing cuz yeah you know a lot of people and i think covid actually showed a lot of people that like you miss quality time now you know what quality yeah. time really means because it was taken away yes and that's totally. what people need to really take advantage of now is like You're not promised tomorrow. So you need to don't go to bed. Don't go to bed angry at your counterpart because you have no idea what can happen the next day. So that quality time is huge for me. Yeah.
1: So actually, now that COVID, you know, there's a vaccine and all of that, you had a pretty bad bout of COVID. Do you want to kind of talk about that?
2: Yeah, it's still um, crazy. It actually was just a year.
0: Yeah, let me start real quick. We were seeing Quan every day at the gym. We were hanging out, developing this really cool friendship, and then he just falls off the face of the earth. And then I see him one day at the gym, and I was like, bro, where the fuck have you been? And he was like, bitch, I've been in the fucking hospital with COVID. Yeah. (laughs) Like, no. He shows me, and you can tell us, but he shows me, like, news articles. Like, are you fucking kidding?
2: Yeah. I had COVID back in early March where it was said to be – Oh, people that are 55 and older um, with comorbidities are the only ones that that are getting it. Well, when the time that I got it, um, it was when it was maybe 100 cases at the time and nobody was my age. And I was 29 at the time. And this disease about took me out. Like I went to the ER where I used to work and they knew something was wrong because i have never been sick. I haven't been sick in like 10 years. Yeah. And they was like something is wrong with this guy, and I say y'all, I think I got COVID, and my I had a hundred and four temperature, uh, oxygen saturation really low, and they wanted to treat me for pneumonia in uh, both lung bases. And I was like y'all, I'm telling y'all it's not that I'm bitch, I'm telling you it's COVID. So they gave me all these antibiotics, all these medications, nothing worked. Four days in the hospital, still with a fever breathing got worse i ended up being on a uh, oxygen mask and then finally they were like uh you can't be on a Florida oxygen mask i got more severe overnight fever still there i could barely walk three feet without oxygen and the next day they were like no you got to go to the icu and then when i got to the icu i said okay i told my parents you know i'm going to the i texted them so hey i'm going to the icu because they wanted to monitor me closely because i can't breathe that well on my own And then about 10 minutes later, they're like, oh, we're going to intubate you. I was like, wait, what? So I don't know if people know what intubation means, but intubation means you are under sedation and they put a tube down your throat that breathes for you because I couldn't breathe well on my own. So imagine it's being terrifying. four hours away from your family. They have no idea what's no. going on. None of my friends knew. None of them knew because I just woke up at six o'clock in the morning and went to the hospital. Nobody we knew. I was had no in the idea. Yeah, no idea. And then they intubated me. Uh, one of my friends I used to work with in the ER was actually on the ICU working now, and she literally held my hand because I was like, I was so scared because totally. when you hear that word intubation, that's
0: when it was have, scary. That it was yeah.
2: Yeah. That time you of have year one was like foot, so
0: fucking scary.
2: Yeah. You have one foot in the grave and one foot in heaven <laughs> uh, at that time with intubation. Oh. Like you may not come out of it. Yeah. And so they intubated me. She held my hand the whole time because I was scared as shit. And later I look, I'm like, why am I awake? And then I, when I, when I was awake, I was like, okay, I'm still intubated. So what's going on? So, all the medication they tried was too strong for me so because my heart rate kept dropping low because I work out so much. My resting heart rate is already 50. And when I'm asleep, it goes down to like 43 or something like that. So they couldn't keep me sedated because it would drop my heart rate way too low. So I was awake and intubated. Hit the picture of me intubated on my Instagram with a picture of myself. Because I was like, I can't yeah. believe I'm actually awake and intubated. The doctors were shocked. Everybody's like, they have never seen anybody awake and intubated. And that's I was awake and intubated for three days. And because I didn't have any medication, I could feel that tube the entire time in my throat. And it was painful. Yeah. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And one time my tube got clogged up and I literally thought I was about to die. <gasps> yeah. Oh. Uh- mm-hmm.
0: What the it fuck? Was so, cl- so how yeah. long were you? How long were you in the hospital for in total? Like before they cleared you after all of that?
2: I was in the hospital for ten days. Wow. Ninety thousand dollars later. <laughs> oh,
0: and you yeah. worked there. Oh, my. <laughs> no discount. No employee discount. No employee <laughs> discount. This is trash.
2: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: <laughs> That's fucked up. Wow. So once you got home, and you know because. I actually still don't personally know that many people who have had COVID, but you know, so many people have completely different, like longer term side effects. Are you still feeling any type of side effects or now a year later, are you fine?
2: I didn't have, so when I was in the hospital, I developed a cardiomegaly, which is an enlarged heart, severe shortness of breath, fever, weakness. And after about they they had to look at my injection fraction, which was low, which showed that my my uh left ventricle wasn't doing that well but literally after they uh took out the tube i was breathing well on my own and my ejection fraction my heart function had improved then i went to the doctor a month later and my heart function was completely back to normal breathing was fine i have no residual problem it's like my body just cut right back on i was like okay we're good where i know a lot of people are still having that's wild side effects like brain fog hair loss still don't have don't quite get the taste of food like they want or a sense of smell is still not good but i was blessed to it to regain full strength
0: that is so wild i can't believe that you were awake and you could feel the fucking tube in your throat
2: yeah oh yeah and it took about that that night when i felt like my my tube was clogged i almost pulled it out (laughs) and i think that's why after it was taken out it took about two Two to three weeks before my voice came back.
0: Uh, Because you messed with it a little bit.
2: Yeah. Uh, I was like, yeah. I I mean, when you can't breathe, like you don't know what to do. Like you're crazy. I mean, I knew it was wrong, but I couldn't, you know? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, I know I'm glad that you survived it. For sure. came out stronger. You're here to talk about it. That's fucking wild, man. All right. So we're going to break it up with one more question. And then I want you to tell us about your business after this so that so that anyone who's listening, whether they're here in Atlanta or not, so that they can know how to get in touch with you in the morning when you wake up, do you make your bed because you genuinely want to or do you make it because social media has made it this like big thing and like you'll be judged if you don't make your bed?
2: No, it's because my mom was a Nazi and we had to do that when I was growing up.
0: <laughs> so you just do it. You just do it out of habit. Out of habit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So my mom played okay. no games.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, what's funny is like, I don't remember my mom making us make our bed, but my stepmom made us make our bed. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember my mom like caring at all. I don't think she did. Yeah. I'm going to have to ask her. I don't think she made us make our bed.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. What about you, Brittany? Did your mom make you? No. But
1: I, I was also like, I ain't listening to you, mom. You know, that yeah. Kind of- I have one I more question you. before you talk about your business. How, <laughs> as somebody who, has accomplished a lot. You have a, a lot you can write on your resume. How do you deal with failure?
2: I posted this. Funny you say that because I posted question. this, uh, this message today. Cause I always, I try to, when I wake up in the morning, I try to think of something that's happened in my life to try to give someone some wisdom who might need it. And it says something about a hundred failures can equal one success you you fail a lot and people are going to have to accept that. You know, I and I on I can tell y'all to this day I had no idea that I would be where I am today. Especially with COVID that happened, nearly dying from that and then now to have my own business like I would have never thought I could do that, but just like with everything that I've done from A younger age till now shaped me into that. Like growing up in a neighborhood where nobody was nothing. They're either dead, homeless, no job, or in prison. And I made it from that. And then, you know, I go to high school and I work my butt off to get into the top three of my class to get a scholarship to go and play. Nobody's done that, you know, and I just I'm just always been one of those people to just prove people wrong. That's been my motivation more than anything is to prove people wrong. But you're going to fail in that process. Like and people ought to know, like anything that's worth having is hard. Anything's worth, unless unless you grow up in a family that's rich. I didn't grow up with that. Like I didn't grow up with Bentleys, And, you know, I for me to get a car, I had to work. I worked in high school and played four sports. In order, me and my brother shared a car in high school. We brought our own phones in high school. We paid our own car insurance in high school. You know, like if we wanted anything, we had to work for it. And that's what so many people lack that quality these days. And that's something you need to have. And if you want to be somebody, is accept that failure is going to happen, but your response to that failure is the ultimate answer. Who are you going to be?
0: Yes. Yep. It's almost like, yes, failure is inevitable. But giving up is not an option.
2: Exactly. It's not. Just like when people are having their Sunday fun day on the weekends and stuff. I'm in here on this computer trying to build this business or, you know, taking Mm -hmm. care of a patient, make sure my patients are good. Like, because I know at some point I'll be able to do all that stuff. But right now it's that grind time. And that's what I'm doing.
1: Totally. I think with each failure, it's 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 a different type of experience. And something I've been trying to tell myself lately is to alchemize your experiences, the good and the bad. So alchemize them into something else. And it sounds like you've done a great job alchemizing everything in your life to become who you are today. Just trying to great. be a
2: role model to show people anything yep. is possible.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. And
0: anything is possible and like you opening up your own place tell us about Mm -hmm. tell us about your new your your practice your business tell us what you do what you offer who you can help and how people can find you
2: so i can help anyone (laughs) everyone yeah but in my uh business i treat hormone replacement and that's in both men and women and the common misconception about hormone replacement is People associate it with the term, oh, he's using steroids. No, he's not using steroids. Mm-hmm. Ster- you steroid use is using multiple different things to compete or have a specific body. In mm-hmm. hormone replacement, you're simply replacing something that they don't have. You're giving them a better quality of life. A hormone replacement is a dose that's specifically to make them feel better, sleep better, increase their libido, give them more energy, things that they lack that is... Uh, Happens to deteriorate as you get older. The same with women. And, you know, I say this to both men and women, you know, I also do aesthetics as well, you know, with the facials and the PRP and the Botox. Guys, look, your girls look amazing. You need to get on board. Nobody's judging you. That's right. Or calling you out of your name. That's called self-care, my friend. Just like you take care of your mental health therapist, you can take care of your outer piece with me. Okay.
1: We're
2: look, we're all trying to look good and feel good because why not control what you can control and look and feel your best? Who wouldn't want to do that just yep. because you're getting up in age? I mean, you have to feel that way. And that's what I'm here for.
0: Yeah.
2: And so I say that I to say it. I have patients all over um, the United States. I can do their uh, evaluations over the phone. You can go, they can go to any lab court and have their labs drawn. I'll call them and tell them their results. And then I can ship whatever products to them as far as HRT goes. And I do both the injectable and also a pe- uh, in the form of pellets as well. And then I use regenerative medicine, which is PRP, exosomes, uh, Wharton's jelly, those different types of things to give people a different alternative to saying, oh, because our doctor would say, oh, you need a knee replacement. You need a hip replacement. Actually, you can get regenerative medicine procedures done to prevent that from happening. So just like we discussed earlier, you can do joints, rejuvenate the skin, the face, the hair erectile dysfunction, urinary incontinence, peripheral neuropathy, all all those different types of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I focus on treating the whole patient, mental, physical, and emotional because you're going to leave smiling when I'm finished with you. I promise you that. (laughs)
0: That's amazing. We love it. Mm -hmm. And so, and you guys listening, we will put all of Kwan's info in the description box of this show. Gentle Giant Care. Am I saying that? It's Gentle Giant Care, right, Kwan?
2: Yes. Mm -hmm. LLC.
0: Okay. Yeah. So that's the name of his official business. Um, Everything is legit, as you've heard Quan is licensed. He's educated. Everything he does is 100% legal. I personally know a few people actually who have gotten hormone therapy from Quan who don't even live here. As he has already explained, it can all be done through the phone and through the mail. And so if you are someone who's been listening to this and you think that you maybe need to get your labs checked, you maybe have some hormones that are off, contact Quan. He'll keep everything anonymous. He doesn't obviously with HIPAA laws, but also he's obviously just a great human and would never tell anyone that you contacted him. So if you feel like you need help from Quan, reach out because he will help you. He never turns people away unless he just needs to refer you to someone else. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, Quan, I am so glad that we had you on here. And I'm so grateful that you wanted to talk with us.
2: Me too. Thanks for having me. It was great talking to Yay. you guys. I'm sure I will see you in person soon, friend.
0: <laughs> yeah, we will. Is there anything else you want to throw out there?
2: You can follow my Instagram at Quan James. That's Q-U-A-W-N James. And my business is Gentle Giant Care. Um, on Instagram as well. so I like to post a lot of what I do so you can actually see for yourself what I do and you know if you have any questions you can DM me there and I'll be happy to answer your questions.
0: Amazing. We love it. Well thank you so much Quan again for being on here. We hope that everybody loved this episode. Again, we'll put all of his information in the description box and if again, reach out, reach out if you need to talk to Quan.
2: All right guys, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Of course. Thank you Quan. Thank you guys for listening.
2: All ladies, have a good night.